poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of Tactical Tuesday. As always, this is your host, Coach Brad Wilson, and I am joined by John. Say hi, John. How's it going, Brad? Fresh fresh off of vacation. How are you feeling? I am fired up. I got to say, like, it took everything in my being to not do work while I was on vacation. And I did, still did a little bit because I had some responsibilities, but by and large, I didn't really think about poker. I wrote notes in my notebook, didn't do any coaching, and it was, whew, I feel like I'm just fueled by rocket fuel right now, like just ready to, you know, start dropping flames and fireballs. Uh, I'm pumped up more so than I've been in a long time. All right, sounds good. Well, so we'll just jump right into it then um, with a... Hand that I actually, uh, this hand got um, reviewed uh, at Poker Power Hour on Wednesday, and there are a lot of uh, differing opinions on uh, what I should, what people thought I should be doing. Um, so, gonna flip it back to you and and see what see what you have to say. Uh, hand starts with me opening the cutoff at five ten, no limit with pocket jacks. Uh, the button. I only have two hands on him, but. Uh, appears to be a fish. He flats the button and the big blinds who uh, I'm guessing is a reg. Um, also don't have too many hands on him. Also calls. Uh, we go to a nine, four deuce two tone flop. Um, the big blind checks. Uh, again, I have pocket checks. Um, I check. I'm going to be checking range uh, multi-way, um, especially on a board like this, I think. And then the fish on the button that's forty dollars into seventy two fifty. The reg in the big blind raises to one hundred and ten dollars, and I was pretty lost what to do facing the check raise with an overpair multi way. Yeah. So when we were looking at this hand before in the run through, I think that in game you were not clear as to whether or not the button was a fish. Um, because they do have mostly a full stack. My intuition told me kind of straight away before you even described anything about the hand that the button was a fish because they had 980 in their stack. If the blinds go through, that would be 985. Um, I just got the feeling that they were a fish. But then when they bet 40 into 72 on the flop, I think that kind of confirms that they're a weaker player in the pool because I don't think that sizing should like be a thing whatever it is that they, I don't even know what percentage that is that they chose to bet there a little bit more than 50%. So yeah, like basically the button who is a fish bets about 60% and the big blind who looks to be a rag and intuitively I would imagine they are a rag check raises less than three X here. And then the actions back on us with our Jack. So nine, four deuce, two hearts. So my first inclination here 
is to bet three bet or not bet three bet check three bet. And that's for a few reasons. Number one, the buttons $40 bet uh, because that designates them a fish. I have to imagine that the big blind wants to raise, choose a larger sizing with their sets and their value. Um, so that kind of small check raise from 40 to 110 makes me believe that like they could be doing this fairly wide. They don't necessarily just have to have like sets um, or even like ace three, ace five of heart type hands. They could be doing this with like top pair just as protection. They could be doing this with just whatever. They could check raise with like jack 10 of diamonds trying to run a multi-street bluff. I guess they can't have jack 10 of diamonds because we got the jack of diamonds, but you see my point, right? Yeah. Like basically some sort of backdoor type type hand. And the reason that I want to put more money in the pot right now, um, kind of smallish around 235-ish, 230. My, my go-to would be like 234, but I can't tell you why. It's secret um, proprietary information is 234. But because I think the check raiser doesn't necessarily have sets here all the time. Like they've got an expanded wider value range than that. We can check raise against them just fine. I don't want to flat because if we flat, that gives a button a great opportunity to call and realize equity, getting just an amazing price. I think at that point, if we flat, there's like 330 in the pot. They've got to call 70 to win 330. So they're getting like close to five to one. And our hand does need some kind of protection. Like Jax is fairly vulnerable here. If I had aces, I could get on board with a flat much better. I also don't want to cap our range by flatting here either. I think that most villains ought to be aware that if you have a set here, you're probably putting in the raise on the flop. So like, I don't like capping ourselves and then facing a bunch of really tough future decisions. Uh, so yeah, that's my, that's intuitively what, how I would approach making this decision right here. Okay. So one of the points you just made that I'll push back on, um, one of the other high level professional poker players in greatness village, uh, when asked about the sand said that like, uh, he doesn't really think that you're, capping your range by flatting here if you are good about like just flatting everything here and just not having a raising range flatting your sets flatting your nut flush draws you know flatting hands like jack jack i guess like at the end of the day what's important what's maybe more important than that is that like the big blind might still perceive us to be capped when we do that like maybe they don't expect us like you said maybe they expect us to put in the three bet with sets and you know just get in you know ace jack of hearts or try to get in ace jack of hearts on this flop so yeah, it's I I, don't know, I think there's like kind of our, both arguments like for and against flatting and and raising. Yeah, so five six of hearts. Uh, what do you, what about five? Do I have it? Is that like, I do know I, I know you have it. But oh, okay, like okay. If if we're using a pure flat strategy, we have to flat with all of our ace three ace tray of hearts, ace five of hearts, five six of hearts, all of those hands, king queen of hearts. I mean, maybe like maybe you can do that. And maybe I could get on board with it, but like, so we flat the check raise and then we turn a flush. We just expect them to just hand over all their money. Um, here you go. Here you go, buddy. <laughs> here's, here's our stack. Now that we have a flush completing turn. Uh, I, I mean, like, I don't, I, mean, I, would, 
I would expect to like flush over flush like the check raiser very frequently if we if I turn to flush. Uh, That's fair. Like, I mean, like I think it's five it's, six of hearts though. That was why I asked that specific question about five six of hearts. Yeah, that's that, that's definitely a dicey one. I think even like a hand like king queen of hearts is starting to get like a little bit dicey uh, too. Like just not having the the nut, the nut flush draw um, is pretty scary, I suppose. But if that's yeah, I mean, I guess it's like is that worth you know uh, having a protected flatting range on the flop? I don't know. I think the data point that is most interesting to me is the size of the check raise. And because of the size of the check raise, I think that they're just, they're not, you know, they don't have to have nutted type hands. Like Mm -hmm. they could check raise here with ace nine. I mean, that's, that's or king nine. Like those hands are very reasonable check raises on this flop. And so like, if they were more polarized with their check raise, then like, yeah, I'd be, I'd be on board with a pure flat range, but I don't think they're especially polarized here with this check raise. Mm. Okay. Plus, Tell me, tell me how, how villain constructs like a balanced get it in range on the flop, like with a four bet. That's going to be very tricky and very difficult for them, like to manage to not pull the trigger whenever they have their sets. Yeah, but I, I guess like one kind of concern I would have about like three betting the spot and then holding to like all jams would be that. Like if I was in the big blind and I check raised like any nut flush draw, especially one with a gutter like Ace Three of Hearts or Ace Five of Hearts, like I'm just gonna rip it, not play out of position with a with a flush draw. Um, and if I'm like you know folding to a lot of those, you know, in fear that like they're they're pulling the trigger with 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 sets, then that that seems I don't know that makes me a little uncomfortable too. I mean, we have our own hands that call it off like we don't have to call it off with every hand that we check three bet with Mm -hmm. here like we obviously have ace tray of hearts ace five of hearts five six of hearts i think those hands are like have enough equity to just get it in we have nine combos of all the sets Mm -hmm. um and obviously we're not folding those so like yeah i mean so if they have ace five of hearts and we fold well okay like (laughs) that's a thing that will happen sometimes yeah. But by and large, I would think that like when they jam, they don't have too many available equity driven hands to just get it in with here. They have tray five of hearts, ace tray of hearts, ace five of hearts. That's three. Name me some others because they have nine combos of sets. Yeah. I mean, I would jam all my nut flush draws that I check raise the flop with like ace eight suited all the way down to ace three suited, I think. If I got three bet by the. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. You... That's too, I don't know. Is that too much? I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's too much. I don't know. It feels like it's probably too much facing like a check three bet. But yeah, I don't know. This is like a math problem, and I think we could figure it out. We could look at it and try to figure out the best way to proceed. But I think like what the high level player in the group hit upon is pretty accurate in that. Like we need to, if we do have a flatting range here, then we need to have put everything in the flatting range mm-hmm. um, because I don't feel comfortable about like flatting jacks and then like three betting top set. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I would do that either. And I don't think they would either. Right. Right. Okay. So one kind of, 
like hypothetical tangent that came from this was like, what are how would you play like other types of hands? Like how would you play the nut flush draw in this in this spot? Let's just start with that one. If I have the nut flush draw here instead of jacks, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, I think it's pretty clear. <laughs> I would check three. I, I would check three bet. Like, okay, and then like you've already said with sets that you'd be three check, betting those. Yeah, check three bet. Okay, yeah, I think those were like over pairs, good flush draws, and then sets were like the hand cl- the hand categories that um, I sort of just wanted to ask you about. Um, we kind of ended up covering two of them in our. To be honest, I don't mind like anyways. I don't mind flatting with some other hands, like just flatting here, like aces. I don't mind flatting with kings. I don't mind flatting with. I don't mind flatting with some of the R nut flush draws. Uh, I don't mind flatting here with some combos of our sets. Uh, I think like there is there is a lot of merit to flatting, and yeah, maybe I'm backtracking now and thinking like, okay, maybe it is better to just use a pure simplified flatting range. Um, there's a lot of merit to it. But yeah, I think basically the data point that I'm really prioritizing here is the big blinds check raise sizing. I think versus uh-huh. like a larger sizing, I'm much more inclined to have a pure flat strategy mm-hmm. versus the smaller sizing. I'm not folding jacks. I can probably say that much. Uh, okay. I, folding would be like the last resort here. Okay. So what'd you do? Fold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I folded. Um, uh, it's like way more embarrassing. It's, it seemed like more reasonable in, in, in the in game, but like, yeah, after all the all the discussion, especially like after Poker Power and this Poker Power Hour and, and this Tactical Tuesday, it does seem it seem a little embarrassing, I guess, that I ended up like picking the option that was like least preferred by all the good regs that I <laughs> talked about this hand to. Well, we did say, you know, I wasn't at poker power hour this week because i was on the beach but you did say that another one of the absolute game smashers in our community voted to fold here so really what what it boils down to i think for the most part is like it's a very tricky and difficult situation that in a multi-way pot we're probably all not super studied in and so we would all gain from investigating this spot. I mean, we would gain how to play this exact situation, which is, I don't know if that's even worthy of investigation, really like three ways against the fish on when we have an overpair. Um, yeah, it's not something that happens quite often. So more, I, I, I kind of disagree. I, I kind of disagree with that. I mean, like maybe the exact configuration with like the fish on the button doesn't happen, but I think if my strategy is to check range multi-way, these sorts of situations are going to arise pretty frequently, which is why That's I wanted true. to ask about like the other hand classes, like flush draws and sets instead of just like overpairs, because yeah, I feel like I could see this happening quite frequently where like the button fish or reg stabs and then the big blind, you know, whether they have value or whether they're, they're check raising slightly wider because you know, it's the button you could just be stabbing frequently with a pretty wide range. Like, I, I just feel like I'm going to see like stab check raise and I'm going to be lost quite free, uh, you know, with some regularity in multi-way pots. So Actually, yeah, I actually think so, this, setting this spot is worth. It's worth something. I mean, you can, we can add this to your homework to where you study a spot like this and uh, give me, show me your findings, and then we can talk about it, analyze it, and go through it. I think that's fairly reasonable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if if you feel like you need to learn and grow in situations like this, then I would start by constructing 
big blind check raising range and then also the button stabbing range and kind of looking at that and then going from there and trying to you know figure out what the best path forward is with the various different portions of your range yeah multi-way definitely multi-way is tricky that's hard multi-way is very tricky and the two things that like like i said the button being a fish makes me feel like they're going to overstab and the big blind check raise sizing makes me feel like they're not super nutted or they don't have to be super nutted. And, and so that's sort of what leads me to my conclusion. But, you know, you could also look at this spot differently where like the button's a reg and they bet one third, which is appropriate for this spot. And the big blind's a fish and they check raise, right? And, you know, yeah. now the ranges are all looking different and all of your analysis is all for naught because it's just a totally different ball game. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, that, that, um, was why, that was why I was, like, telling you to be cautious about, like, yeah, the value of really intense mm-hmm. analysis in this spot. I guess we can just head to the reveal. So, like, I mentioned earlier i folded um the button does call the check raise the turn is the ace of hearts uh the big blind bets a little over half pot the fish calls the river is the three of clubs so the final board is deuce four nine ace three uh with a flush out there uh and a one card straight the big blind bets a little over half pot again and the fish calls big blind ended up flopping bottom set uh, with pocket deuces and the fish on the button had ace nine of spades. So he turned top two. Um, I don't know. I don't think the result is that interesting though. I think the interesting part was just talking about my flop decision, but in case anyone's interested or curious about what they had. I, I think like there are some more takeaways here in that, like villain did flop bottom set, which I, you know, is a part of their range. I don't love the sizings that they used here mm-hmm. at all. Like they left, on the table. Um, The button had ace nine of spades, right? So they turned top two pair on the flush completing turn. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's a thing that could happen, right? What if the big blind has like five, six of diamonds here and you check three bet and the button calls with ace nine? Like that's that's an outcome that is very realistic because I think that like when the villain chooses the sizing they chose on the flop, they're gonna have a lot of top pair type hands. Mm-hmm. Um and by check raising, you fold out the big blind, you isolate yourself against the button who's a fish with a capped range that you can play perfectly against. Mm-hmm. Like that's another benefit to the check three bet, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Is like ISOing the fish, essentially. ISOing the fish and then having a very good handle on like the fact that the fish's range is capped because like they're just going to stick it in with their sets, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so we get to play very, very well against the capped range, even though we're out of position. But at that point, the SPR would be like bordering on one. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that'll do for this hand that we only played two streets on and. <laughs> You put in one raise and then check folded on the flop. But oh, we talked about it for like 25 minutes. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. And like the fact that villain had deuces here, flop bottom set is what it is. But yeah, I would put more money in on the flop personally. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, 
so we're going to head to the break now and come back with John's very favorite hand that he knows how to play exceptionally well by, by at this stage of the game in tactical Tuesday, King queen offsuit. Let's see how well it works out for John. The decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy too tight. And they know what you have too loose and you're easy to run over. Free Flop Bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your preflop game and creating true range advantage. Eight days of guided training, over 60 optimal ranges, and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your preflop game from a place of weakness to your greatest strength. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. Available now. Before boot camp, I had been playing for maybe 15 years, somewhat seriously, always trying to get better, jumping from learning program to different learning programs and training site to training site. Kind of feeling a little bit lost, not really knowing how to go about getting better. And preflop boot camp just felt like a great starting point, a way for me to to move from being a losing player to, to possibly a winning player. It felt like the right first step. Once you jumped in boot camp, what was your experience like? Well, first off, I realized that I'd been making a lot of mistakes prior to boot camp, kind of learning what rangers should look like and what hands should be played in what situations. You know, it was it was exciting because I I could see what other people had been doing to me, what kind of what I had been missing in my game. And then from there, just the whole camaraderie of everybody that's um, signed up, working together, trying to achieve that goal. You know, that that was fun. That's uh, pushing each other and really helping uh, one another, kind of feeling like you're a part of a team. It was uh, it was a great experience. I, I enjoyed the process and I learned a lot. What was your experience like playing cards post boot camp? It's a totally different experience. You know, it put me in a position to be successful as opposed to always being behind the eight ball and, and playing catch up. Um, I really feel like it's it's the foundation of, of a solid poker game. And uh, since boot camp, I've been able to, to turn a profit and keep building on what I learned there. You know, being able to go back into the group and uh, re- really work together even after boot camp was over, it's it's been awesome. What's your sample size of winning post boot camp? I think I have 70,000 hands played by now. You know, I'm a father and I have a job, so I'm not a, a professional player by any means. That's my sample size. Preflop Bootcamp is the flagship Chasing Poker Greatness training program. If you'd like to dramatically upgrade your preflop game, a new bootcamp launches on the last Saturday of every single month. The price is $199, and your link to join is ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. One more time, that's ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp, all one word, or you can click through in the description box of this episode. Welcome back to this episode of Tactical Tuesday. Mr. John is about to give, you know, the old college try on how to play King Queen for the 10 billionth time on Tactical Tuesday. How are you feeling about this one, John? Well, I'm feeling pretty good about this hand, actually. We, we can uh, 
and see how it turned out, though. Um, okay. I, I mean, I, I mean, I feel pretty good about how I played it. <laughs> well, <laughs> wow. <laughs> no spoilers, anybody. No spoilers. Um, uh, let's let's uh, cue the listener in on how this thing developed. Sure. So, uh, same game, five ten no limit, six max cash cutoff. Who is a reg opens to twenty five dollars. I have king queen offsuit in the big blind, and I defend. The flop comes ace jack four rainbow. I check and the reg in the cutoff. That's uh, about two thirds, thirty four dollars into fifty five. Um, I think I just have a pretty clear continue here with uh, king queen. Um, yeah, I mean yeah. king queen high is no, not I mean very minimally. Like king okay. queen high can be the best hand um, a large percentage of the time. And we have a draw to the nuts. We block ace king, ace queen. So, like, if anybody out there is wondering, oh, you're calling with king queen high on ace jack four? Yeah, that's and it's pretty slam dunk call at that. Yeah, the guy who's folding jacks on the previous flop is calling with king queen. <laughs> you should probably do it too. <laughs> that's how clear it is. Um, so board where the turn is the king of spades. So the board is ace jack four king. Um, I check the off that's uh two-thirds again 79 dollars into 124 I, I guess like if i just had to make a comment on like the cutoff sizings i think these both the flop and turn sizings are uh really good on especially on this board texture um on the turn specifically i think this is probably the only size that he should be using if he uh if he does decide to bet so not too shocked by anything sizing wise um i think i have a uh, Pretty clear call again, uh, turning second pair to go along with my nut gut shot. I think there is, yeah, there is one thing that I would like to touch on here though, before (laughs) we move to the river is that, well, I guess I'll ask you the question of like, how are you structuring your range? Do you, what are you raising with here? I think it's possible that I would not play any raises, um, on this board texture versus a strong looking reg. Uh, especially one who's like using these sizings. Um, I, I don't think I would have a single raise here. I don't think I would raise a hand like bottom set, pocket fours. I don't think I would raise queen, queen ten. 10. Yeah, I don't think so. Good. That's all I wanted to hear. I don't think you should have a raising range, and I think that that's, that's the best way to proceed. Okay, cool. So For I the listener, for the yeah. listener, by the way, I, do, uh, I guess I want to expand on that. Like The reason why John, both John and I, are suggesting to not raise the turn here when you have the nuts on ace king jack four is because if you're because if you raise with the nuts like what bluffs do you have for balance right like you don't have enough bad hands that raise here um facing what looks like a super nutted and strong range of like aces kings jacks villain can have queen jack villain can have fours villain can have ace four king jack lot uh you know wide spectrum of really great hands that villain can be pushing equity with to go along with some hands that you know are not so good uh that villain because because this board is just by and large much better for them than it is for us so anyway when you don't have available bluffs to raise with and you have the nuts and villain has more board coverage than you and more nutted hands than you Oftentimes, you're just served well by playing a pure flatting strategy and then doing something on the river, whether that be like check raising is pretty much the the plan on the river there. Yeah, 
that's I think that's what I would do too. I think, like you said, with like Queen Ten and Pocket Fours, I would check call, check call, and check the river and hope to get a check raise in. And and two, like here's the thing: if you want to have available check raise val- value hands on the river, then that means you have to defer the check raise to the river. <laughs> you can't check raise all your queen tens on the turn and then also have queen tens in range to check raise with on the river because that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. So like if you want to be able to have value in your like check jam range on the river, then you just have to check call some of your strongest hands here on the turn. Plus you don't want to be like, you don't want to check raise your value here all the time because that makes you very exploitable because when you just call, you're capped and villain can just kind of go ham and you can't defend often enough versus river bets when you don't have those strong hands in your range. Right, right. It's like when the villain knows that you check raise all those strong hands on the flop or the turn, that means that when you call twice, they can just kind of mercilessly bluff the river uh, versus you. Yeah, take you out behind the woodshed and beat you senseless. Okay, so uh, going back to the hands, um, just a reminder, the board is ace, jack, four, king. Uh, call the 80 better, uh, two-thirds pot size bet on the turn. The river is the nine of clubs, so there are no flushes available. Um, ace, jack, four, king, nine. Uh, $282 in the pot. I check uh, the cutoff bets $239, and I jam for 861 um, with king, queen, offsuit. Yeah, I mean... I think that it's a very reasonable bluff jam on the river. I do think that like you do need to be a little bit careful here that you don't overdo it because it would be very, it'd be a very easy thing to over bluff um, in this situation. I think you have all the queen 10 offs, right? So you have yep. six, 16 available combos of the straight. Then you have three pocket fours. So you have 19 value combos that you're jamming with. I just have to imagine if you're using like every king, queen, jack, 10 and queen, jack hand to bluff with, then you're probably probably have a bit too many bluffs. But with that said, uh, I don't know that villains necessarily going to going to be able to recognize that in real time. Do you have any thoughts about that? I think you're right. I think that if I was jamming every king, king, queen, queen, jack and jack 10, that would uh, likely just be like way too many bluffs. Um, I guess like my the first thing that makes me think of is like, okay, of those three hands, then like, which is there, you know, one of them that makes a better jam than the other two are, or do two of them, you know, are two of them better than one for, for some reason, like is King queen better than Jack 10 for some reason, or is queen Jack better than King queen or something like that. I think having the queen is important. So Jack, uh, actually, I don't know. I mean, is, is having a queen like so much better than having a 10? I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. I Hmm. is one of them better than the other i don't think so they all seem to be pretty much a wash to me because like villain has every queen 10 ace king ace jack sets of jacks sets of kings i guess the king is probably worse than queen jack or jack 10 because i don't think villain bets the flop using that sizing with pocket kings what about ace king though they may with ace king but you know is that does that do anything like i mean is is that any different if they have ace jack and they have ace king like really they have all the sets of jacks and so like we we would like to block 
the hands that like they're choosing that sizing with on the flop. So queen jack and jack 10 are just better because they block both ace jack and they block sets of jacks. Yeah. And ace 10. Why ace 10? Why does ace 10 matter? Oh, I, I thought ace 10 would be another hand that they might bet that size that villain might bet two thirds on the flop with. So having jack 10 in that case is, you know, maybe better than having. Uh, I mean, if they have Jack 10, like basically they're not going to choose the sizing they chose on the turn with, with ace 10. So I don't think that's really, I don't, okay. I don't think that's doing very much just because yeah. like they don't, they don't size up on the turn with ace 10. They, the hands that they have to size up with are, you know, ace king, ace jack, aces, kings, jacks, fours, ace four, king jack. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But with that being said, I don't think like, blocking the jack is like <laughs> you know i don't think it's like significantly better or a thing that we ought to like push us one way or the other as it relates to like our bluffing frequency mm-hmm. yeah i actually ran a quick sim of the situation just to see if uh you know see what Kyle thought of my river jam um and uh also just to kind of see like what hands i should be check jamming on the river what other hands i should be check jamming on the river as a bluff um and uh, I guess kind of like we alluded to, it really likes Queen Jack as one of the bluffs. Um, King Queen, it it does check jam small frequency, but it's mostly folding. Um, I guess Queen Jack is mostly folding too, but if you are going to bluff a hand, it does seem to like those two. Um, and Jack 10 offsuit. Yeah, see? Pio brain. Yeah. Queen Jack, Jack 10 are better than the King Queen. And yeah. there's very rational ways to... Discern that, I think, without using Pio. Oh. Like, like what we just did? Just like talk it, yeah. talk it through? Okay, well, yeah, yeah. Just what we just did. Well, the difference between King-Queen and Queen-Jack is that villain is unlikely to be choose the large sizing on the flop with kings, which yeah. means that us blocking kings is not as valuable as us blocking jacks. Gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that definitely shows up even in like the EV, like King Queen and Jack Ten. When you jam them, those are still losing like slight, very very slightly. But uh, Queen Jack off and Queen Jack suited, when you do jam them, those are actually the, two, the only bluffs that are winning chips. Um, yeah, at least in this one. There you go. There you have it. Pio brain. Pio brain. I don't even know why I bought Pio. Of... I, just, I just ask you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's doing things here that I think that like high level poker players ought to be able to discern and kind of figure out on their own, like yeah. the, the slight differences in the nuances of like why King queen is not as good as queen Jack. But yeah, I think that's another great hand and uh, let's reveal, reveal the wizardry that happens here on the river. So yeah, I jammed the river for 861 over a $239 bet. And the villain tanked down all the way to the last second of his time bank before uh, putting in the chips with ace four of diamonds. So he flopped top and bottom pair. Yeah. um, I don't love villains river sizing with that hand. I don't think I like their call on the river. I think this is like a, (laughs) whenever somebody times down to like one second and then calls, it's almost like an impulse type maneuver. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think population is like over bluffing here. I I just don't really love this 
I don't really love villains river bet. And then I don't really love villains river call either, unless like they have some sort of data read that like check raises are like over bluffed here, but I can't imagine uh, as somebody that kind of lives in the data world, I can't imagine that that being <laughs> that being a thing, but yeah, maybe they have access to data that I don't have access to, I guess. Oh, another uh, king-queen offsuit in the books. Another $1,000 <laughs> down the drain. <laughs> I think I think it is very uh, telling that they tanked down to one second before making a decision. Like, if they snap-called it or called it very quickly, then I would be concerned that, like, they know something that we don't. But them making it to one second in their time bank just makes me feel like they just kind of freaked out. We're like, ah, I just want to call. And yeah. they just click call. That's sort of what it was. And that's, that's you know, that's usually the truth for me too when I time that one second and call. It's usually one of those types of calls for me. So, yeah, I think you're probably right. Cool. Thank you uh, once again for bringing these hands to Tactical Tuesday, John. We will be back at it in seven days' time. Thank you very much for listening. And now enjoy this brand new outro to the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.